Section 1 of The Fable of the Bees by Bernard Mandeville. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Grumbling Hive, or Knaves Turned Honest. A spacious hive well stocked with bees, that lived in luxury and ease, and yet as famed for laws and arms, as yielding large and early swarms, was counted the great nursery of sciences and industry. No bees had better government, more fickleness or less content. They were not slaves to tyranny, nor ruled by wild democracy, but kings that could not wrong, because their power was circumscribed by laws. These insects lived like men, and all our actions they performed in small. They did whatever's done in town, and what belongs to sword or gown, though the artful works by nimble slight of minute limbs scaped human sight. Yet we've no engines, laborers, ships, castles, arms, artificers, craft, science, shop, or instrument, but they had an equivalent, which, since their language is unknown, must be called as we do our own. As grant that, among other things, they wanted dice, yet they had kings, and those had guards, from whence we may justly conclude they had some play, unless a regiment be shown of soldiers that make use of none. Vast numbers throng the fruitful hive, yet those vast numbers made them thrive, millions endeavoring to supply each other's lust and vanity, while other millions were employed to see their handiworks destroyed. They furnished half the universe, yet had more work than laborers. Some with vast flocks and little pains jumped into business of great gains, and some were damned to scythes and spades, and all those hard laborious trades where willing wretches daily sweat, and wear out strength and limbs to et, while others followed mysteries to which few folks binds prentices that want no stock but that of brass, and may set up without a cross, as sharpers, parasites, pimps, players, pickpockets, coiners, quacks, soothsayers, and all those that in enmity with downright working cunningly convert to their own use the labor of their good-natured heedless neighbor. These were called knaves, but bar the name, the grave industrious were the same. All trades and places knew some cheat, no calling was without deceit. The lawyers, of whose art the basis was raising feuds and splitting cases, opposed all registers that cheats might make more work with dipped estates, as were it unlawful that one's own, without a lawsuit should be known. They kept off hearings willfully, to finger the refreshing fee, and to defend a wicked cause, examined and surveyed the laws, as burglar shops and houses do, to find out where they'd best break through. Physicians valued fame and wealth above the drooping patient's health, or their own skill, the greatest part, studied instead of rules of art, grave pensive looks and dull behavior, to gain the apothecary's favor, the praise of midwives, priests, and all that served at birth or funeral, to bear with ever talking tribe, and hear my lady's aunt prescribe, with formal smile and kind how gee, to fawn on all the family, and which of all the greatest curses, to endure the impertinence of nurses, among the many priests of Jove, hired to draw blessings from above. Some few were learned and eloquent, but thousands hot and ignorant, 
yet all past muster that could hide their sloth, lust, avarice, and pride, for which they were as famed as tailors, for cabbage or for brandy sailors, some meager-looked and meanly clad, would mystically pray for bread, meaning by that an ample store, yet literally receive no more, and, while these holy drudges starved, the lazy ones for which they served, indulged their ease with all the graces of health and plenty in their faces. The soldiers that were forced to fight, if they survive, got honored by it, though some that shunned the bloody fray had limbs shot off that ran away. Some valiant generals fought the foe, others took bribes to let them go. Some ventured always where it was warm, now lost a leg and then an arm, till quite disabled and put by, they lived on half their salary, while others never came in play and stayed at home for double pay. Their kings were served, but knavishly, cheated by their own ministry, many that for their welfare slaved, robbing the very crown they saved. Pensions were small, and they lived high, yet boasted of their honest eye, calling whene'er they strained their right, the slippery trick a perquisite. And when folks understood their cant, they changed that for emolument, unwilling to be short or plain in anything concerning gain. For there was not a bee that would get more, I won't say, than he should. But then he dared to let them know that paid for it as your gamesters do, that though at fair play ne'er will own before the losers that they've won. But who can all their frauds repeat? The very stuff which in the street they sold for dirt to enrich the ground was often by the buyers found sophisticated with a quarter of good-for-nothing stones and mortar, though flail had little cause to mutter, who sold the other's salt for butter. Justice herself, famed for fair dealing, by blindness had not lost her feeling. Her left hand, which the scales should hold, had often dropped em, bribed with gold, and though she seemed impartial, where punishment was corporal, pretended to a regular course in murder and all crimes of force, Though some first pilloried for cheating, were hanged in hemp of their own beating. Yet it was thought the sword she bore checked but the desperate and the poor, that urged by mere necessity, were tied up to the wretched tree for crimes which not deserve that fate, but to secure the rich and great. Thus every part was full of vice, yet the whole mass a paradise, flattered in peace and feared in wars, they were the esteemed of foreigners, and lavish of their wealth and lives, the balance of all other hives. Such were the blessings of the state, their crimes conspired to make them great, and virtue, who from politics has learned a thousand cunning tricks, was, by their happy influence, made friends with vice, and ever since, the worst of all the multitude did something for the common good. This was the state's craft that maintained, the whole of which each part complained. This, as in music harmony, made jarrings in the main agree. Parties directly opposite, assist each other as twere for spite, and temperance with sobriety, serve drunkenness and gluttony. The root of evil, avarice, that damned ill-natured baneful vice, was slave to prodigality, that noble sin, whilst luxury, employed a million of the poor, and odious pride a million more, 
envy itself and vanity, were ministers of industry. Their darling folly fickleness in diet, furniture, and dress, that strange ridiculous vice was made, the very wheel that turned the trade. Their laws and clothes were equally objects of mutability. For what was well done for a time, in half a year became a crime. Yet while they altered thus their laws, still finding and correcting flaws, they mended by inconstancy faults which no prudence could foresee. Thus vice nursed ingenuity, which joined the time and industry, had carried life's conveniencies, its real pleasures, comforts, ease. To such a height the very poor live better than the rich before, and nothing could be added more. How vain is mortal happiness, had they but known the bounds of bliss, and that perfection here below is more than gods can well bestow. The grumbling brutes had been content with ministers and government, but they at every ill success, like creatures lost without redress, cursed politicians, armies, fleets, while everyone cried, Damn the cheats! and would, though conscious of his own, in others barbarously bear none. One that had got a princely store, by cheating master, king, and poor, dared cry aloud, The land must sink, for all its fraud, and whom d'ye think? The sermonizing rascal chid, a glover that sold lamb for kid. The least thing was not done amiss, or crossed the public busyness, but all the rogues cried brazenly, Good gods, had we but honesty! Mercury smiled at the impudence, and others called it want of sense, always to rail at what they loved. But Jove with indignation moved. At last in anger swore he'd rid the bawling hive of fraud, and did. The very moment it departs, and honesty fills all their hearts, there shows them, like the instructive tree, those crimes which they're ashamed to see which now in silence they confess, by blushing at their ugliness, like children that would hide their faults, and by their color own their thoughts, imagining where they're looked upon, that others see what they have done. But, O oh, ye gods, what consternation, how vast and sudden was the alteration! In half an hour the nation round, meat fell a penny in the pound, the mask hypocrisy sitting down from the great statesman to the clown, and in some borrowed looks well known, appeared like strangers in their own. The bar was silent from that day, for now the willing debtors pay, even what's by creditors forgot, who quitted them that had it not. Those that were in the wrong stood mute, and dropped the patched vexatious suit, on which since nothing else can thrive, than lawyers in an honest hive, all except those that got enough, with inkhorns by their sides trooped off, Justice hangs some, set others free, and after jail delivery, her presence being no more required, with all her train in pomp retired. First marched some smiths with locks and grates, fetters and doors with iron plates, next jailers, turnkeys, and assistants, before the goddess at some distance, her chief and faithful minister, Squire Catch, the law's great furnisher, bore not the imaginary sword, but his own tools and axe and cord. Then on a cloud the hoodwinked fair, Justice herself was pushed by air. About her chariot and behind Were sergeants, bums of every kind, Tipstaffs and all those officers 
that squeeze a living out of tears. Though physic lived, while folks were ill, none would prescribe but bees of skill, which through the hive dispersed so wide that none of them had need to ride, waved vain disputes and strove to free the patience of their misery, left drugs in cheating countries grown, and used the product of their own, knowing the gods sent no disease to nations without remedies. Their clergy roused from laziness, laid not their charge on journey bees, but served themselves, exempt from vice, the gods with prayer and sacrifice, all those that were unfit or new, their service might be spared, withdrew, nor was their business for so many, if the honest stand in need of any. Few only with the high priest stayed, to whom the rest obedience paid, himself employed in holy cares, resigned to others' state affairs. He chased no starveling from his door, nor pinched the wages of the poor, but at his house the hungry's fed, the hireling finds unmeasured bread, the needy traveller board and bed. Among the king's great ministers, and all the inferior officers, the change was great, for frugally they now lived on their salary, that a poor bee should ten times come to ask his due, a trifling sum, and by some well-hired clerk be made to give a crown or ne'er be paid, would now be called a downright cheat, though formerly a perquisite. All places managed first by three, who watched each other's knavery, and often for a fellow feeling promoted one another's stealing, are happily supplied by one by which some thousands more are gone. No honor now could be content to live and owe for what was spent. Liveries in broker's shops are hung. They part with coaches for a song, sell stately horses by whole sets, and country houses to pay debts. Vain cost is shunned as much as fraud. They have no forces kept abroad. Laugh at the steam of foreigners, an empty glory got by wars. They fought but for their country's sake, when right or liberty is at stake. Now mine the glorious hive, and see how honesty and trade agree. The show is gone, it thins apace, and looks with quite another face. For t'was not only that they went, by whom vast sums were yearly spent, but multitudes that lived on them were daily forced to do the same. In vain to other trades they'd flee, and were o'erstocked accordingly. The price of land and houses falls, miraculous palaces whose walls, like those of Thebes, were raised by play, are to be let, while the once gay, well-seated household gods would be more pleased to expire in flames than see the mean inscription on the door, smile at the lofty ones they bore. The building trade is quite destroyed, Artificers are not employed. No limner for his art is famed. Stonecutters, carvers are not named. Those that remain, grown temperate, strive not how to spend, but how to live. And when they paid their tavern score, resolve to enter it no more. No vintner's jilt in all the hive could wear now cloth of gold and thrive. No torkel such vast sums advance for burgundy and ortolans. The courtier's gone that with his meese supped at his house on Christmas peas, spending as much in two hours' stay as keeps a troop of horse a day. The haughty Chloe, to live great, had made her husband rob the state, but now she sells her furniture, which the Indies had been ransacked for, 
contracts the expensive bill of fare, and wears her strong suit a whole year. The slight and fickle age is past, and clothes as well as fashions last. Weavers that joined rich silk with plate, and all the trades subordinate, are gone. Still peace and plenty reign, and everything is cheap, though plain. Kind nature, freed from gardener's force, allows all fruits in her own course. But rarities cannot be had, where pains to get them are not paid. As pride and luxury decrease, so by decree they leave the seas. Not merchants now, but companies, remove whole manufactories. All arts and crafts neglected lie, content the bane of industry, makes them admire their homely store, and neither seek nor covet more. So few in the vast hive remain, the hundredth part they can't maintain, against the insults of numerous foes, whom yet they valiantly oppose, till some well-fenced retreat is found, and here they die or stand their ground. No hireling in their armies known, but bravely fighting for their own, their courage and integrity at last were crowned with victory. They triumphed not without their cost, for many thousand bees were lost. Hardened with toils and exercise, they counted ease itself a vice, which so improved their temperance that, to avoid extravagance, they flew into a hollow tree, blessed with content and honesty. The Moral then leave complaints, fools only strive, to make a great and honest hive, to enjoy the world's conveniencies, be famed in war, yet live in ease. Without great vices is a vain, utopia seated in the brain. Fraud, luxury, and pride must live, while we the benefits receive. Hunger's a dreadful plague, no doubt, yet who digests or thrives without? Do we not owe the growth of wine? To the dry, shabby, crooked vine, Which while its shoots neglected stood, Choked other plants and ran to wood, But blessed us with its noble fruit, As soon as it was tied and cut, So vice is beneficial found, When it's by justice lopped and bound. Nay, where the people would be great, As necessary to the state, As hunger is to make them it, Their virtue can't make nations live in splendor, they that would revive a golden age must be as free for acorns as for honesty. End of section one.